I love you so much that the sky makes me think I wish there were more Tracy. <laughs> Tracy, I love you so much that your face reminds me of everything I ever want to see forever. When I think of how you sit near me, I want you to sit closer all the time. When you're not in the room with me, I wish that you would come somewhere where I was. <laughs> from our break ready to go even deeper enough even enough deeper uh-huh okay let's do it josh so um when we left we were talking about you said the you had a question regarding well, um mm -hmm. yeah you walk into a room it's got a bunch of negative energy yeah how did that energy get in there in the first place it is a manifestation of consciousness. There were people in there, though, that were interacting, right? They were being super negative. They were negative, jerks, and then they left the room or and walked away. they were fighting or they yeah. arguing. So yeah. that's an example of like what you're saying. In a sense, you could say that is their ghost. Yeah. Their, their, their living ghost yeah. gets left behind. Right. But the people were there, though, and I was like this idea that the people had to be there for that energy to accumulate there. Well, that is the way that it happened that time. That time? Where are you going with this? Well, I'm saying, you're, well, I think where you were going with it, that people had to be there for it to occur. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying that, yes, people can do it. Plants can do it. Trees can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, air could probably do it. I mean, everything is consciousness. Yes. And consciousness manifests itself as everything. Oh. And human beings have a it, I, I think uh -huh. have a very particular kind of con uh, um, we access consciousness in a peculiar way compared to a lot of other beings not a better way I dare say but a more pe uh -huh. a peculiar way uh -huh. um, which the way that we intend our consciousness into a field of energy into a room, for instance, mm -hmm. um, I think is super active and also probably more erratic mm -hmm. than a lot of other manifestations of consciousness. Like I think trees are probably uh -huh. a lot more chill uh -huh. in their expression of consciousness than we are, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. hmm. but, but I think consciousness, so it's like, so it goes back to the idea that, you know, like our minds or you know our, that our our vessel of of consciousness isn't generating the consciousness for the mm -hmm. most part except 
perhaps on the most rudimentary level, we might be mm-hmm. generating it from our personal mm-hmm. being, but more so we are receivers of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Consci- we experience consciousness as mm-hmm. a receiver. We are not the broadcaster, we're the radio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not the broadcaster, the radio. But we have, but then, our, but then the way we intend into it, I think, is probably peculiar based on which mm-hmm. kinds of particular delusions we're operating through. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm saying delusions in a generic sense of like yeah. Yeah. illusions, like seeing, like, like we will sometimes, um, because of opinions about the world that we hold on to that we attach to mm-hmm. we filter consciousness through that mm-hmm. so for instance um conflict mm-hmm. and things like that that might send out an, a field of negativity into an into a room um is based on opinions that we attach to mm-hmm that make us decide that a particular experience means that we have to react in a certain way. Like, oh, well, when mm-hmm. she said that, that means I had to say this. Mm-hmm. Or when, because she was doing that, I had to do this. So that's, mm-hmm. that's basically manifesting our expression of consciousness through, the, uh, through an attached opinion of, mm-hmm. of life. So that's where you could take like personal psychology, how personal psychology um, takes the energy of consciousness and kind of skews it a certain direction. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense in the sense of interactions based on perspectives that an individual has that are somewhat inflexible. Um, And so it makes sense in an abstract way for me, I guess is where I'm going there. Um, And I only say it's abstract because the the principle that I'm like preoccupied with has to do with um, how the ghost is like a shard of something, okay? And I know I'm maybe overusing the word shard, but what was the wholeness from which it came right okay so so that goes to the idea that consciousness is multi well, people like to say multi-dimensional mm-hmm. right and i think that that's a helpful construct mm-hmm. on one hand anything when we when we when we separate anything into layers or hierarchies or anything like that that is mm-hmm. a subjective bias mm-hmm. based on our current yeah. being stuck in time and space. So we take everything yeah. and we break it into little pieces. But let's go ahead and I'll operate from that paradigm since that's relevant. So you can think of consciousness as being multidimensional. So there's mm-hmm. part of our consciousness that is our personality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, our, uh, there's part of our consciousness that is higher wisdom. There's part of our consciousness that is connected to all of the rest of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But... But the part of consciousness, the the degree to which we can experience all those levels of consciousness is dependent on how tight of a filter we're using mm-hmm. to keep it out. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So if you if you have a very tight weave on your filter mm-hmm. by your base, and the, what creates the filter is the belief of what's possible. Mm-hmm. The the filter is created by the assumptions, the opinions about what is possible, mm-hmm. and you will only allow yourself to see as mm-hmm. much as you believe is possible to be seen. Mm-hmm. And so. So if all that a person can believe about themselves is their personality and their, for instance, their reactivity to mm-hmm. phenomena, then they will believe that that is who they are. And that's the beginning and middle and end of who they are. Whereas mm-hmm. as a person who, like, for instance, in meditation practice, right, mm-hmm. that's a great way to begin that process of seeing that your personality, your reactivity isn't who you are, that mm-hmm. the observer self becomes more strengthened. Mm -hmm. Right, And then you see that I am not my reactions, I am not my thoughts, I am not my feelings, Mm -hmm. I am the person having those things. So that's like one step away, like that's Mm -hmm. in a sense empowering that, I would, you know, I'll say more expanded, more, Mm -hmm. so that observer self has a more expanded capacity to understand who they are, right? Mm -hmm. Because they distance themselves from that reactivity and then beyond that there's like endless other layers of that mm-hmm. like it isn't just like the, it all ends at the observer self the mm-hmm. observer self is mm-hmm. can be very limited as well right and do you think one person's observer self can interact with another person's observer self yeah yeah what does that look like um, well, I think if the if two people have first on the most rudimentary level, if two people have a, have very uh, well developed observer selves, then their mm-hmm. observer self would automatically be interacting mm-hmm. because because the observer self would be like basically more what's running the show. Yeah. Because yeah. and then more and more the aspects of reactivity to thoughts and feelings and experiences mm-hmm. would just become less, um, just it just becomes less operational, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's one of the benefits of mindfulness type meditation or vipassana style meditation mm-hmm. is that it does empower that, um, uh, and then so it kind of it's like so you might say that person two people who aren't in the state of reactivity aren't, for one thing, they're not going to leave a bunch of negativity in the room when they leave, right? Because they're not going to mm-hmm. be throwing a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's so, and that's why I feel that reactivity and those kinds of things are a delusion or an, you know, a delusional way to be because the more a person distance themselves from those lower senses of who they are, the less they do it. So if the more, in a sense, evolved or the more you allow of an understanding of anything, the mm-hmm. less you are a dick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that suggests to me that being a dick is a lower expression of consciousness. Yeah. I think one of our episodes should be, why are people such dicks? You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, how do people get to be such dicks? You know? Because they're so sad. That's it. Wubba lubba lubba. Wubba lubba. I don't remember. Wubba wubba. 
That's a Rick and Marty reference. Wubba lubba dub dub. Cake keeping score at home. Wubba lubba wubba. Dude, we have to learn the right way to say we that do. because we need to use it yes. a lot. It's in Birdman's language. It does have to do with being no, a lot of No, bird person. Bird person. Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> In bird person's language, it means mm-hmm. I am in a great deal of pain. Yeah. Rick and Morty, best show. Mm-hmm. Really good show. I'm turning it on to my book reading boyfriend. Mm. Come to the video side. I'm we scared. have binging. I'm scared of the video side. I know. Yeah, but it's, it's information, sir. I know, but it's just... It's... It's like a, a shard of consciousness that, you know, some so of... Book. So is a book. Yeah, but there's something about a book shard that I like a little bit more because of the, the symbolic interpretation activates other brain centers. No, I know. And I, you know I'm not anti-book. Yeah, I am anti-video, though, you know. I know. You're anti a lot of stuff sometimes, my dude. Well, there's an infinite number of things to be for or against. So you've only seen a small number of the antis that I have. I'm very pro most things. That's true. You know, it's just when I get anti, it's a bit quirky. Like well, being... and I get anti about random stuff too. Yeah. Like I'll be like, oh, I'm chill, I'm chill, I'm chill, I'm chill, and then I'm like, no. Uh huh. About weird things. Remember mm-hmm. when you were talking about how you believed in randomness, and I was like, oh, let's put a stop to that, mm-hmm. sir. Which mm-hmm. I, I know I didn't necessarily put a stop to it, but but it was like, that's like a hot topic for me. Randomness? Yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, the idea of like whether or not things are random. Oh. Hey, cat, quit that nonsense. Okay. Sorry. It's mostly valuable to me in terms of how it plays into scientific experiments more so than the presence or absence of, I don't know, fate or a structure or an organized universe i don't believe in fate in the strictest sense but ah, rabbit hole rabbit hole rabbit hole these are all topics we could address Mm -hmm. later let's stay Mm -hmm. with consciousness well i in staying with consciousness as it relates to the ghost topic the fragmentation of consciousness is partly due to its Mm multi-dimensionality and i was wondering about how a sense of wholeness is shattered or broken apart and creates this this ghostly experience mm-hmm. um, i think that yeah you know that that's it's just that like the ghost you know how like when brain injuries take place they can um scientists use them to learn about how healthy brains function so i think that the consciousness shattering that happens with ghost creation can teach us a little bit about the multi-dimensional nature of consciousness among us mm-hmm. living folks Yeah, in a more maybe useful, meaningful way. This is why I was trying to get to that idea of like, what's the value of ghosts? You know, how, how can this exploration of their existence be instructive or constructive or something like that? Yeah. You know? Okay. I'll buy that. Yeah. I might be backpedaling a little bit to, you know, had together a previous line of inquiry that felt a bit um, misdirected. 
nonetheless, though. No, this, no, this no, is... no. I, 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 um, I want. I think that's a good clarification. And sometimes, you know, people have an impulse to have a certain kind of question, and they don't quite know why they have the question yet. And when I think that I think that's a good clarification. I don't know if it, if you maybe if you feel it's backpedaling, I'll respect that. But mm-hmm. I don't know that it's backpedaling. I think it's maybe clarification. Mm-hmm. And there's Does that that checks out for me. Yeah. So here's this thing with the body and the container and the vessel stuff, and. Like the the energy that's left over in a room or a space, it it just stays there. It, the The idea that I have is that like consciousness, like that a human whatever works with, it interacts with other people. This this is the part that I've really been trying to get a better handle on. It has less to do with our individual experiences, but more with how our individual experiences interacting what are those manifestations and what you just said about having opinions and reactivity conflicting generating the remnants of some negative energy that's that that does help me a little bit but it seems that negative energy is just a it's just not it's not enough information for me it's just like bleh it's like a funny taste it's like a bitterness you know what i mean yeah but i think that is all it is yeah for the most part, huh. it that is all it is. Yeah. Um. And the reason why we react, some people are like more superstitious about it. I think honestly is because mm-hmm. it ties back to the paradigm that all of my consciousness and my thoughts and feelings and everything are originating out of me mm-hmm. and my biological personality, mm-hmm. individual mm-hmm. experiences, right? Or for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And then if I walk into a room and it feels ooky, yeah. then it's it feels like, how can that be? Like, uh-huh. it's why is that ooky? And so then yeah. I get all attached to it in one way or the other. I either become, I'm not saying I do, a person. Yeah. I, don't yeah. have, I don't have this issue, but, you know, they, like, Oh no, I'm I can't be in that room because it's so negative. Right. Would be like a super right. almost like a superstitious reaction to it. Yeah. Um or they could be like Oh, why am I so depressed all of a sudden? Why am I so angry all of a sudden? And they assume that it is something mm-hmm. originating out of themselves. Mhm. And that is all coming from the fact that even though we know that the things we see are outside of us, the things we mm-hmm. hear are outside of us, the things we mm-hmm. taste are something that we put into our mouth from outside mm-hmm. of us, things we smell are outside of us and they come in and we read them with our, our organs of, of sense. Uh-huh. But we have been taught that this that this the touch sense begins and ends at our skin, essentially, right? Right. But I, but I'm I'm saying that in the same way that that vibrational information of sound and smell mm-hmm. and sight are coming mm-hmm. from out of us, so can so can the things that you know interact with the sense of what I'll, I'm going to call yeah. the sense of touch, which which I'm saying that emo- the thing uh-huh. that we experience as feelings or emotional what we call emotional yeah. feelings yeah. in our bodies are also part of that sense of touch. Mm-hmm. And that we can feel them from our own subjective thoughts and reactions. or And mm-hmm. in addition to that, we can feel them 
from the data that's coming from around around us like if you are feeling a certain way i i might also feel that way mm-hmm. not as just a sympathetic response intellectual or subjective sympath- sympathetic response mm-hmm. but that it is a sensory picking up of that energy now what happens though what people like get they get afraid of it or they identify with it those two ways that i described a minute ago is because they don't realize that this is just information just the Mm -hmm. same as the sound of a truck going by is just information Mm -hmm. the smell is just information if i don't like the smell i can clear it out somehow or i can you know Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to be afraid of it. I can just go, ew, yucky smell. If I come home and the garbage is stinky, I don't have to move to a new apartment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just go, ah, dang it, need to take that dang old garbage out, don't uh-huh. I? And maybe light a candle or something. Uh-huh. So it's like, so it's, it's, it's because we think we don't have, we're not taught mm-hmm. that sensory stuff like feelings are our vibrational data just like everything else that can be in and around us Hmm. so we so because and and our beliefs about things affect how we interact with the material of consciousness that's why Mm -hmm. that's why i was talking about the filter your belief of what you will allow yourself to notice yeah influences what you will notice yeah and and then when you have the sense of so if i if I don't believe that I can feel other people's feelings, then when I am feeling other people's feelings, I'm going to have to try to come up with some other explanation for it. Mm-hmm. You think people can feel other people's feelings? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what that's what's happening when people are having the experience of being an empath. That's the big catchphrase now that people use about yeah. a phenomenon that has always existed. And they make it, they kind of make it rarefied and fancy and, oh, I'm an mm-hmm. empath. Yeah. And I'm saying everybody's an empath. Uh-huh. Some people have, just like some people have, can see in 2020 vision and some people need glasses. Mm-hmm. Some people are really sensitive to other people's mm-hmm. emotional states and some people are not. Mm-hmm. But. Do you think then that um, ghosts are just really like loud sounds of shards and that really everybody leaves ghosts but they're generally just quieter ghosts yes so like the shards of dead people are really everywhere they're almost like dust kind of yeah sure i think that makes sense i mean i've never thought of it that way until you just said it but it it checks out sure yeah well i was just thinking about your perceptual awareness thing and it just seems like it would make sense that there'd be a lot of, you know, little leftover kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Hmm. I've been trying to figure out, like, what happens, like, in spaces where there is no consciousness. If, if, if there's such a thing as a vacuum of consciousness, you know? How could that exist? In what context? Like, I don't know. I don't think it is a thing. No? Uh-uh. Hmm. I'm just thinking about how 
if it's if it's completely filled up everywhere, if everywhere is filled up, if there's no there's not an empty spot, you know. Well, I don't think so. No. There would have to be it would have to be a a, a non universe of some sort, a uh-huh. separate non universe. Like if Rick, like an antithesis of of a universe. I'll bet there's an episode of Rick and Morty where this is addressed. Well, I hope so. Yes. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But um, but but the thing is, is like, that goes to like. Where there is any cosmos, any universe, and when I say universe, I mean all that is, all that exists, known and unknown, seen and unseen, just everything, whether I know about it or not, everything that exists is consciousness. And for there to be a place where there is not consciousness, uh, it would have to be a non-universe. So all the, all, everything else all of the other potential factors that would make something a non-universe would also apply, not just the absence of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that there is a Mm non-universe. I think people who don't look at consciousness consciousness so multidimensionally kind of think that like, after death there's a non-universe it's this this nothingness it's not a nothingness though it's more just like a a color in a palette than it is than any anything else i don't know what you mean um i was trying to think of someone whose set of assumptions allows them to think of uh, the absence of consciousness being a reality I mean, when I propose the question to you, you're like, no, based on my understanding, that's that's just not a thing, you know? And so I, I suggest it as, as a something. And so this is something I'm often wondering is, how do people with their assumptions result in uh, being fixated on something non-existent? And that fixation ends up causing tension and anger like the the QAnon people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't seem content. Oh no. You know, and yet they have. They're given some answers and information and all this. And some of their their world is, they're operating on. Like this term, false assumptions. You know. Mm-hmm. I know we've got five minutes left, and I'm taking us down a really rickety rabbit hole the rabbit hole that I'm talking about is how false assumptions somehow get linked to anger you know Mm. Um, and maybe when a ghost is created there's there's some kind of like big assumption that takes place in that that one consciousness I'm just trying Mm. to see what what the shatter factor is you know the shatter factor. What yeah. do you mean by the shatter factor? The the nature of the experience that a person has that results in um, a, a leftover staying there, a gross leftover, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, versus what might be either like a push 
of dust or um, like a full transition of energy to another form like when, when does something not cleanly separate you know if that has something to do with a certain cluster of assumptions I'm really operating off of complete like what feels disjoint, disjointed free association here there's something that's just not coming together for me I get this way my mind gets this way maybe I'm tired there's something happening here. Well, I really think, from my experience, when I get in that state, what you're describing, uh-huh. it's because I'm pushed. I've my my capacity to understand something mm-hmm. is pushed up right to the edge mm-hmm. of what I have thus far allowed, uh-huh. and that's a and there and and that's a. It, it's it's a good sign uh-huh. really it's a yeah. sign that because when we get past if if we talk about things too easily uh-huh. then we know that we are talking about things we've thought about over and over and over again so they're yeah. part of our known reality the, yeah. the, the it's the level of reality that we have thus far allowed ourselves to perceive mm-hmm. it's too easy there right Mm-hmm. And then when we get up to like the outer reaches of a new idea, mm-hmm. words fail us mm-hmm. and we start bouncing around into a variety of ways of trying to express brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's disorienting. But I say, go, keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, keep going mm-hmm. to that because that is, that is where the breakthroughs occur. Mm. Well, it feels like just wandering out it feels like wandering it does not feel like a a fruitful zone but I think it maybe is not necessarily a a waste of time just because there's there's like something calling to me (laughs) you know what I mean yeah yeah that was cool dude Hmm. this is I love these conversations well, this is getting close to the end of um, of, our th- of, of another segment. Yeah. Um, Very cool. And you know, I mean, I know you look sleepy. Are you sleepy or you want to do another, want to start on episode three after we get done with wrapping this baby up? No, I think I'm sleepy. Okay. Yeah. We might have to, I won't say it. <laughs> we might have to what? I won't say it. I'm going to... I'll save it for the next episode. Okay. That's what I'll do. All right. All right. Well, sweetie, this was fun. Thank you for this cool conversation. Yeah. This is a good conversation. We're signing off. Signing off. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.